Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the second season of the Connect2 podcast. My name is Jeff Cullen. And I'm Mark Hughes. Hey Hello Jeff, again, how Mark. are you? I'm doing good. How about yeah, you? I'm doing well. We're recording at a diff- on a different day than we usually do, so things are uh, it's, uh, energetically a little weird. Yeah, lift a different good. different time of day too. Yeah, that's true. So everything is up up in up in arms. Oh, well, we're we're still making things work. It's we're awesome. still making things work, and coffee. It's and we have coffee. coffee. So yes. today's coffee is from Transcend. I think we've ah, tr- tried it before. I think we have had it before. Uh, but it's really good. It is. It's nice and so smooth. So it has got uh, notes of notes of apricot, candied pecan, and raspberry. Right. Elmer Guevara. And uh, do you want the story? Elmer, Elmer and Leila own two small farms in the towns of Vista Alegre and Bombaca in the mountainous areas of Jaén. Oh, yeah. They've been working with Origin Coffee since 2017. Initially, nice. they had concerns about Origin's claim to procure high prices for the coffee, but Origin delivered nice. on their promises and decided to share their partnership with other local farmers in the area. Let's Good see we, for let's... espresso and filter. Nice. We should see if we can get them on as a guest. Yeah. Remote. Well, I, uh, speaking of which, so there's a, so uh, there is a coffee shop uh-huh. um, near Blush lanes in edmonton okay um and it is called overflow oh i've never and, heard of this uh, coffee shop before. it's a great coffee shop and uh um a friend of ours richard <laughs> it's a good place to go if your regular place is busy well richard goes there <laughs> all the time he goes there every wednesday okay and um and I, I met him for coffee and uh started talking to bob and bob is the guy who owns it right and runs it and and Bob is trying to learn how to to roast, and he's made his own roasters, and he's doing wow. this all all manual. Right. So awesome. he's uh, yeah. he's not he's not yeah. doing like does he, does big he want to sell the business? Any chance he's looking to maybe get out? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna be asking that a lot. Going yeah, exactly. Nice business you got here. Have we thought of selling it? <laughs> yeah, sell it. But I think you you know. I might have to pay you to take. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's awesome. So anyway, so I he, love he might stories. Be, he might be an interesting character to sure to talk to. Plus, he burns his friggin' shop down because he's made his own. You roaster. know, I think I think his roast his roaster is uh, at his in a garage or something. So they're doing small batches. Yeah, it uh, reminds me of my my father in law used to smoke salmon. Uh, I don't know if they still do. But How do you get it in the in the in the paper? Yeah, that's right. But he built his own smoker. It was just an old refrigerator, and yeah. uh, outside he put trays and ignite like hickory wood and whatnot, and smoke would be pouring out of the thing like crazy. But I did a fire investigation. Get on it a, done on a, one of those. A homemade smoker. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He had it outside. It was also, it was also <laughs> outside, but it took out a building. <laughs> um what's your dad joke oh man i don't have a dad joke oh come on man I, i've been so out of the loop uh because of you know just new stuff uh <laughs> okay knock knock who's there no <laughs> no who? no dad joke this week sorry <laughs> Um, I have a dad joke. Where to go? I can dance like Baron Zemo. <laughs> it's a bit of a visual thing. Guess what I saw? What did you see? Wood. Wood what? No, guess what I saw. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone says he wants to make a movie about classical music. He says, I'll be Beethoven. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme says, I'll be Mozart. Arnold Schwarzenegger says, come on, guys, don't make me. Say it. Yeah. Don't make me Bach. I'll be Bach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> see, that one I did see coming. <laughs> uh, who is the builder of King Arthur's Round Table? Circumference. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> and why did the chicken go to the gym? 
to put on some pounds. No, he wanted to work on his pecs. Yeah, there you go. Da-dum-dum. dum There we nice. go. All right. <laughs> Very funny. So what did you learn this week? I learned a few things. Yeah. Um, what did I learn? I learned the difference between IMS, acupuncture, and chiropractic practice. Okay, that sounds like a, a first world experience. <laughs> like, like some first hand knowledge. Well, as I have talked about before, I have this nerve issue right. with my shoulder, which is yeah. crazy annoying because it's kind of, I'm just used to muscle issues. Right. And, and you know, and this emotional is, damage. Yes. <laughs> Emotion, no, then. Um, so I am as so acupuncture is basically a, a a thing where you put very small needles right through various nerves, and then IMS is where they actually stick a bigger nerve Yikes. needle into a nerve, and they kind of diddle it about to try and get your um, get your nerve to relax. <sighs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, it's like uh, it's, my nerve might be relaxed, but I am very tense. Surprisingly, it's shoving not, needles in my nerves. It's, it's not. It's not so bad. Okay. And um, and it definitely has an, an impact, and because yeah. it and it kind of is different from what chiropractors do. Chiropractors typically, you'll hear um, like so. There's neck adjustments, but they'll also do a lot um, of active release yeah. where they're trying to right. release the muscles. Sure. So they're not so much yeah. focused on nerves. I don't think I would let a chiropractor touch my neck. Get the hell away from me, man. You know, uh, I was a bit reluctant, mm-hmm. but um, but it's been great. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, Is I, it your neck that's problem? Well, it's connected to my neck. It's right. actually my ribs. Yeah. So um, see, I had I had some tightness and and our sports medicine guy who you know well did some rib release stuff a few years ago and my scapula apparently had ridden up and like the human body is just well i i riddled with issues <laughs> well, and they, they know all the places where all these muscles are and it's exactly it's funny because she yeah. stick yeah oh stick, Ooh, yeah stick her thumb in it's like we're not designed to be Riding around in cars and sitting at desks for seven hours a day. Well, I think right? sitting is definitely should a be swinging from a tree. Yeah. Anyways, um, another hundred thousand years we will have evolved probably. Another thing I learned yes. is about um, so 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 uh, so there is a. I am a big fan of. There's this guy named Rick Beato, and he yes on YouTube, and he. We'll do all these reviews of these old, uh, well, it's like what makes this song bad. Yeah, I know this guy. Yeah, he's top, awesome. Uh, like, he's really good. He's quite yep. skilled. Yep. And uh, he did this one on, it was on The Cure. Okay. Which I really quite liked. I haven't really listened to them for quite some time. And he started dissecting, uh, like, his favorite, his 10 most favorite Cure songs. Mm. And one of them was this one that I really liked from a long time ago called The Forest. And, um, yeah, I won't, I won't play it because I'm sure we'd have some sort of yeah, copyright some issues. copyright issue, sure. But um, Can you hum it? Uh, well, <laughs> it it's uh, the thing about it is, and the way Rick Beato describes it, and I what I really appreciate is because he kind of uh, says – what I kind of intuitively knew, but I never could put into work. Ah, interesting. So, um, what, like the forest in particular, I mean, it, it's like this song, it starts out with this, uh, this bass and this, mm-hmm. this guitar, like that's very Spartan and yep. spaced out. And he talks about the thing that the cure did really well. And they're incredibly good at these hooks is that they basically, um, they don't just have one hook. They have, like, each instrument has kind of got a hook. Mm. So you, you, you and, um, but they occupy different space, tonal space. Mm-hmm. So that uh, when it comes in, there's room for the voice. The voice is in a different spot. Right. And it has, um, uh, and, and it has room. So um, I really noticed this in particular because at the Folk Fest, Okay. We went to see the Folk Fest, uh, and um, there was a band that I'm really a big fan of, The National, that was performing live. And I really hated it. Like, I really liked the band, but I hated their performance. And what I realized is, uh, and it, they have a very, very unique style, and uh, so, but it's a very kind of 
quiet style. Mm. So when he's the the lead singer sings, he sings and it's a, it's an he's he's got like a baritone voice, but he's singing and it's not he's he's not yelling, he's not singing right. loudly and he doesn't have the greatest of voice, but okay. it's interesting with the music. Right. Okay. <clears throat> and with the National when you listen to the recordings, their music is has got space so that his baritone voice can can sing without riding over top right, of the sure. other other yeah, yeah, registers yeah. and stuff and um and uh what i didn't like about the fos fest is all the sound was in the same register so it was all muddied mm. and it was a mess so it was a sound mixing problem and he was over singing like right he was trying to sing loudly right and that's not maybe his, figuring and, that you know the monitors were saying uh, maybe can't I, hear I don't know so if they, speak it, up man but his voice is yeah. like he doesn't have a powerful voice he right. has an interesting voice and so as he sung really loud it sounded awful right and then he's all mixed in his muddiness <clears throat> sure and, uh, yeah i love some of those uh deconstructing videos guys like rick beato is a guy uh i can't remember his name now but he's like the, the professor of rock or whatever because you realize just how much or listening to billy joel talk you know you, you realize just how much nuance and um science almost well art i mean it's an art but but it's well but there's a lot of art and a science there's right? a lot of uh, a lot of sophistication yeah. to it that is not it's not um uh, visible to the average listener that's right right but like, when you when you understand have the someone help you take and... it apart and it's just like Wow. Yeah, I mean, he, complex. Rick Beato says he doesn't have perfect pitch, but when he hears a chord, he can recognize the chord. Right. Sure. Because he knows yeah. what to expect. Yeah. Which is. And then all of that. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, different chords have different moods, right? So yeah, you're yeah. playing like, you know, uh, uh, a minor key. In flat or a minor key. And it's like, oh, man, it, sound, it sounds so sad. Or yeah, it's exactly. Downbeat, right? Exactly. Fascinating. Fascinating. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah. I oh, so learned. that led me to, huh? Well, my favorite album is from The Cure. It's this live album, right. and I figured I'll go to Apple Music. And my, I can't find it. Really? And I'm going like, I realize there's lots of these older albums that you know they're just not. They're not there, there. anymore. Yeah, I know. Well, I don't so... know if they were ever there. They're more of. You think you dreamed this album? No, no, I have that album. I used have, to listen to, and everybody's like, I have the vinyl album. Okay, they just did never. It maybe never made it. Never made digital. it into digital. Yeah, interesting. So, um, so, that, so that so you'll yeah. have to buy one of those turntables that you can make an MP3 from your old records. I think I have. Well, I have. I've got an audiophile turntable. Oh, there you and go. And I think I can actually do that already. Oh, that'd be cool. But I've yeah. never. Then really can, been all that interesting. You can bootleg it. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Put it on Napster. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get hip like uh, the get cool kids. So I, I haven't learned much this week. I've learned a lot about business brokerage. I'm starting to learn a lot of that. But nothing, uh, yeah, nothing comes to mind. I've just been in a bit of a weird headspace. Well, be, watching business when we talk about uh, what we've been watching, I'll, you know, I've been watching a lot of retro stuff. So, yeah, just. Easing into 2023. I mean, I've learned, you know, by osmosis, some things that make me kind of crazy, political stuff, but we don't talk about that here. So, no, so not, see not if, usually. Uh, no. New things come to mind. But, but we were going to talk about change. We're going to talk about change and changing, changing course midstream. Yeah. Or later, or in, later stream. in stream. Yeah. 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 So, because, uh, because, and it, you know, I know a few people who have, tried you know got into circumstances where they've been forced to retire right or forced to like early retire yes um and there's a couple of problems with that yeah one is uh um like i, I think we talked about this with my brother-in-law he's kind of forced to retire and it's totally what he wants totally what he but he's not the one who set the timetable and the agenda sure so there's something that sticks in you, you, his craw because of that. Yeah. I have another friend who wasn't quite ready to early retire and kind of got put that way because of economic conditions mm -hmm. beyond her control. Mm -hmm. 
And um, this coffee is pretty good. It is pretty good. Yeah. Um, Actually, yeah. And then and then there's people who are just tr- looking at changing jobs because you know sometimes you need to change. <laughs> exactly. Especially uh, when you're you know when you're finally figured out who you are, what you are, yeah. and what you want to do, and it's it's kind of like I don't want to be doing what I'm doing right. Well, I've already been through this once, twenty years ago. Twenty years of thirty. It, when it dawned on me that engineering was really not my jam, um, and that led me to business school, which led me, led me to what I've been doing for the last twenty years. And uh, and it's kind of funny because, like, my wife is transitioning, and it's been. She'd been at it this for like 18 months. Now, part of that's because she was entangled with files and it was hard to do. And I've, when I quit engineering, it was actually pretty abrupt when it was all said and what done. What year did you quit engineering? By the time I finally got out, I think it was about 2004. Okay, so it is 20. So I've done about four. So I did about 14 years. You know, like the first 12, like full time. And then I started going to business school and and so it was a bit it took about two years to finally you know get away from it but and i thought i would miss it you know i didn't really miss it <laughs> <laughs> i missed some of the people and some of those uh and part of that i gotta say now consulting engineering in the commercial end of the world is is different than other kinds i think right but i would have lunch with these people uh, a bunch of folks that I'd worked with and that knew like for probably 10 years after I got out of it, they kept these every like three times a year. Uh, a few people have passed away now and it hasn't happened, but it was always the same complaints that I had had, you know, this is 10 years later, like nothing had changed. And I kept saying, Oh, thank God. I got out of that because it was just not my, it was just not my thing. Not your jam. Yeah. Um, I just met a lady actually who's who's starting a, has a consultancy here. I think she's in Spruce Grove, and she's working with older people, who older people like people in their fifties plus, right? Who have, as you were pointing out, either voluntarily or in a lot of cases involuntarily, um, been forced to come up with something new to do, and uh, you know it's really it's really jarring. So she's uh, I thought it was a very cool idea. So she's helping them. You know, repurpose. Is it volunteering? Is it is it, you know, getting into mentorship? Because uh, I think a lot of people do struggle if they don't prepare themselves. Well, I mean, you you know, you go into you go into a Home Depot and you see all these people that have had previous careers doing something else. Yeah. And I mean, I always think about that sometimes when um, when I see people who do who do um, uh, basically a labor, physical labor intensive job. Right. Like what are you going to do when you're 50 and things start to hurt a lot? Yeah. Well, I have a lot of those people when I teach uh, B school at, uh, which is basically a, you know, a trade like Nate who are Mm -hmm. not a sponsor. uh, A lot of people from the tools round about late thirties. They're looking for other Not so much to last a little while. But two years ago, I invariably there was always a handful in every class I taught who are go back to school and they take a business degree. They don't necessarily go to university, but they you know they do college and they want to get into project management or um, you know so there's a kind of an, a natural progression there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been joking with my wife and, and other people that I like to change pretty much every twenty years. You know? so, <laughs> so I did like fourteen years of engineering. Now it's been 21 years of strictly management consulting. And now I'm going to try something adjacent, but different. And um, I'm really excited about it. You know, I think I I actually heard a statistic that in industry, like in corporate Canada or corporate, they say, if you, if you don't change every seven years, you become stale. Right. So they're the, that's kind of the zeitgeist, if you will, that it becomes stale, but then you, you're also becoming a master of your trade, whatever it is. Yeah. So, I mean, if you keep changing, 
Now, I mean, if it's if you're changing to sideways to something related, that's one thing. Right. But if you're changing out of something completely different, go from I don't know investment banking to uh, barista. Yeah. You know, you those are not transferable skills. <laughs> well, maybe the people side of it would be. Mm. Right? Yeah. yeah. You want what? No, I give you ten percent. I think less. the problem has been though that a lot of people do not do the adjacent development thing. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people do become, and maybe this is less common now because the, the whole game has changed. You know, like I tell my students and you know, last maybe 20 years, it's been different, right? but take people who started working like, like you and I 30 years ago, I think we were on that. We were on that tail end of one career, people staying with companies for a long time. Uh, and that, that, I mean, thing had started shifted, but it was still that, the 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 social contract was mm-hmm. hey if you do a good job we'll keep you employed and i think all of that's gone like out the window yeah um and so many people now everybody's uh, a mercenary well yeah almost by def- like by necessity right well it was it was tough i mean for me as a as a, a business owner i was taking the approach of you know I was taking the other approach, which was to try and build something for the long term for people and yep. treat them the way we wanted to be treated. Yep. Now, without the expectation that they necessarily would, because you know, people people change their life circumstance, change yeah. people move, whatever. They, you know, uh, with guys they meet girls and they will go wherever the girls go. Yes. <laughs> like it's funny because it seems like in previous generation it was the. The women would follow the men. Okay. But I know for a fact that it was like, you know, you have a young man and their their uh, their bride to be or whatever has got a job somewhere else, they're following, right? There's yeah, no, there's no Well, that may be partly due to the fact that historically men had the better paying jobs and that's no longer a, uh, a given, right? Yeah, I don't. So, I don't think it's about the better. Pay- yeah, now it's not about the better paying jobs. It's about that's where she is. That's where I am. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, well, that's a form of change as well. But uh, no, I, I, um, you know, it's funny because I think like Apple. I'm going to use Apple as an analogy. One of the few companies that that will kill a product or. You know, so they tend to be on that uh, proactive side of change. And I think for a lot of people, um, they get blindsided by it, mm-hmm. right? And now we're in a bit different because I've been working for myself. You were basically running a company, right? And so I'm changing to a different channel slightly from what I've been doing. Still self-employed, you know, it's an independent contractor thing. and uh, But... The people who have been, let's say, working in government or these big corporations yeah. for 20, 30 years, and then suddenly it's like, boom, here's your package. Yeah. You know, and then, uh, and I've met a lot of those folks who, because they've, they'll get a hold of me on LinkedIn and be like, can we have coffee? You know, because I've, I'm a consultant now. And you're like, oh boy, okay. What are you consulting Fun for? Fun stuff, right? <laughs> well, they become executive coaches or they, they attempt you, and a lot of them struggle. Yeah. And then a lot of them will find, you know, I don't know what they do. Frankly, they they tend to fall off my my radar. But I've I've run into a lot of people who, and it's kind of brutal, right? Uh, yeah. Especially <clears throat> if you're doing that in response to an externally imposed yeah condition. So if you don't don't have a job, so I'll just open you know open my you know hang my own shingle and right. start my own business. Going well, that sounds great, but. Well, two problems with that. A, it's a different, totally different mindset. Not yeah. everybody's wired for it. No. And B, unfortunately, these layoffs tend to come in, in waves. So now suddenly it's like it's the worst possible time. It's like me and everybody I worked with are now hanging out their shingle. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like, uh, I mean, like if you, if, if you were in San Francisco right now and you have all of these uh, tech people, these tech people, yeah. they're all out of jobs at the same time. Yeah. So that's not good. I met a guy once and this was fascinating. So he would have been. Uh, this is maybe eight, nine years ago. So it probably was in his late fifties. And we, we use a service where let's say you have old relatives and they, they want to sell some of their furniture. Yeah. 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 So this guy would, 
would do that. Basically, he would be almost like a broker for old stuff, right? So we yeah, bought yeah. like a table and some stuff. And I met this guy. It was a franchise. And he had been a senior dean at some educational institution for like, I mean, this was his thing, right? PhD in education. And yeah, yeah. he was like, they went from, it was like, he was like a co-dean and they decided they were going to downsize to like one dean and he wasn't it, right? <laughs> and so on the street, this guy goes, and I'm like, wow. He goes, yeah, it's been a little bit of a rough, you know, adjustment. But then he had started this franchise. And then I heard, because I met somebody who actually knew this guy, I can't even remember that he eventually found a position back in, in academia, like mm -hmm. the entrepreneurial thing didn't take, but you know, I think he sold the franchise. Like, yeah, I think he bought it then sold it, but tough, you know, tough. Yeah. But I think prefer, I prefer, personally, I'd prefer to be ahead of the curve. Well, it's always better then, to kind of plan you for know, what you're going to do yeah, and then do exactly. it rather than have it imposed upon yeah. you. Now I will admit, I'm, uh, I'd like, you know, like my wife has been doing this change at least at a surface level slowly. I, that's, this is kind of an abrupt opportunity that's popped up and, but, um, yeah. But yeah. I think you're in a place where you could actually take advantage. I of think it. so. I mean, it builds on a bunch of my skills still and pretty new and economically, I think this is a good time for what I'm going to be doing. And so, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes, but I'm, uh, but part of me is just excited to try new things. And, mm -hmm. and honestly, uh, part of that comes from some, some growth as well. I mean, I think I got out of engineering after a period of like personal growth when I realized, yeah, you know, probably never should have gone into this, in the first place. <laughs> you know, which is funny, right? Because the ability to do something and be, and do it well is not necessarily directly correlated with, is this the right thing for you? Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. And you know, I know what, there was two stories that I remember when I knew engineering wasn't for me. Okay. okay? I'm, so, I'm all here. So the first one was need to get out of the commercial uh, HVAC uh, game, right? Probably a good idea. Because we were sitting around a table at a, at a, at a construction meeting, building a condo and uh, crappy condo development. Right. And it's pretty standard in a northern place like where we live that when you have a hot water heating system like boilers you you always put in two pumps right because the phenomenon of the pump um even though they're size at half nominally of the the capacity if one of them goes down you'll draw more power but you can get about 70 percent of the capacity right right um so it's just standard you put twin pumps and that way that you're way, covered, right? If something goes, goes down, wrong, you're okay. And um, so I'm the professional, purportedly, the developer slash owner, and the contractor, it might have been design build, are looking to cut costs. And the guy goes, well, we could eliminate one of the pumps on the boiler. And I'm like, I think that's a terrible idea. Uh, you know, and here's the reasons why. And the guy literally goes like, well, what's uh, what's the pump cost? And the guy's like, five grand. He goes, gone. Cut, cut, cut one out. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like for $5,000. And I, again, objected, you know, you know what the guy said? He goes, nobody ever looks in the boiler room when they're buying a condo. <laughs> Nobody's going to know one well, pump, two pumps. So what do I care? And we'll have sold all the units. It'll be the problem of the condo board. So I went back to the office and I was like, is this really what I want to do with my life? You know, like, no. So then I went into industrial engineering and this is the second time I realized, and this was a bit more personal because I remember it was interesting. Like I love a challenge. So, you know, it was like, and people said it couldn't be done. You can't go from commercial to industrial. I'm doing it. But we got a project, some kind of scrubber. I can't remember what it was. And everybody on the team was like super jazzed about this technology. And I was like, eh. <laughs> so then I realized I kind of looked around it was like the old Sesame Street one of these things is not like the others that's when I realized for me it's not a passion it's something I can do well at you know but these people they some of these folks love this stuff right they are you say 
uh, ball bearing system and they get excited. Oh yeah. I'm an expert in this. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in the wrong place. So, <laughs> um, this time it's a bit different. I still like what I do. We've talked about this before. There is a, uh, my experience has been, it's a little bit like being a physician and telling people that they should stop smoking. And then they, they go, yep, yep, definitely should stop smoking. And then you go, so you're going to stop smoking, i.e. hire us to help you with develop the business. And they're like, no, <laughs> and like, but why not? And I think for a lot of these people, they just don't want to, right? They just don't want to do it. So 20 years, I mean, it's been a great thing. I'm not totally abandoning it, but I, part of me, I'm just tired. Like I'm, I'm 20 years, I need something new. So I'm excited. And I think, you know, you got to listen to the, uh, <laughs> the siren call of, uh, new stuff. And since I am not independently wealthy, like certain people on this podcast, having <laughs> sold their business for, you know, big dollars, uh, yeah, I, I, I got to do something. I didn't. <laughs> but what about you? Like photography, like, cause I know you were into photography in a technical sense, right? For I a lot of years. For a lot of years. I was really yeah. interested in the technical. Um, and, uh, um, and, and got quite proficient at the technical part and right. then was really struggling with the creative part. And mm -hmm. then I started focusing on that and, uh, wow. And people just started saying, I really like my photography. So right. then I kind of go like, Oh, you know, maybe I'm, okay at this yeah and uh realized at some point in time that um that i have some great skills with it um was it something that you had aspired to when you were younger oh, i was no no not when i was younger but as i got older i kind of became obsessed with it right. so i i needed to know everything about everything related to photography and uh so and and to some extent i'm still so that's typically that's a typical engineer doing something creative <laughs> i think right just being obsessed yeah well no but needing to like master all of the fundamentals right well yeah and so it's one thing to to master the the uh so th there's a lot of different aspects of photography the, the the real thing that's a bit of a bummer about it is that it is a terrible business to get into <laughs> it is um from a from an economics perspective it's, right it sucks because everybody has an has a phone, yeah. And everybody thinks they're a great photographer, right? And the phones take reasonably good photos. Sure. For, I mean, there's certain types of photos that phones can't take. Yes. And there's um, there's also kind of having an eye and and having an idea of what makes a photo great. Whereas some people just have a feeling for it and that can take you pretty far right but then you kind of run into a wall and you're like how do i do this again yes and um <laughs> exactly it's one thing to take a phenomenal f f you know picture one time yeah because everything lines up and you're like "Ooh, the moon and the light and you know your settings just happen to be by chance exactly where they need to be and it's like wow that's great that's a really good observation can you do it repeatedly well can and you do it again and i think the real question is if you can you take something that is mundane and make an amazing photo out of it oh. and i would say most people can't no probably not but a good photographer can right so they can take a mug and make a you know make a product shot that is well lit. Sure. That you go or like, maybe even an artist artistic shot. Yeah. Well, like, and, and mug and just throwing flying through the air or something. All of that. Yeah. That's <laughs> no. that. That's exactly it. Is is taking a taking something that <laughs> that's is that's a one time thing as it hits the ground and shatters. You know? well, 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 take a you, picture of the shattered pieces. Then you have more than one. Yeah. <laughs> but and but um, so I, I do think that. Yeah, but the problem is that the we've never been in, at a point in time where people have been more interested in visual visual um, stimulation, yes. visual element, true, and have valued it less. Yeah, interesting. Like it's an interesting dichotomy, right? So now right. you can go and to these uh, AI. I was going to uh, say now AI is creating photorealistic 
uh, but they're, they're representations. I, I do. I think that the photorealistic ones that they're are generating are going to eliminate one specific type of photography in particular, which will be uh, composites. Like you can get. Um, we have a local photographer. She's really quite. I don't know why she's in Edmonton. She could be anywhere. Her name is <laughs> Renee, Renee Robin. She's uh, she's amazing. What a that's quite the endorsement for our hometown. Well, no. It's Why just, are you here? It just uh, she she has big clients oh, yeah. for like international, and she's in Edmonton, which is not a no. A it's not a hub of for artistic. Yes, yeah, true. Yeah, no, and, no, fair enough. And um, and um, <laughs> but 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 uh, she does these amazing composites um, that are set up to um, um, to simulate like you know angels or you know. All kinds of. It's it's hard to describe. I will link some. Interesting, yes, yeah, that would be a great idea. I, but you can see that they're composite. So she's she basically gets an actor or a model to, to, uh, to pose, and okay. then and then she changes everything. Ah, right? okay. And then see, she'll right. go and she'll take a photo in a particular spot, and right. that can be the background, and she'll composite. And they're big dollar values for big high concept stuff. Interesting. And, that's the stuff that you can tell an AI to generate. Ah, right? take this photo of this person and stick him in, a, you know, an old man in a in a Norse thing with the right. gray headwear or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, we're like, seeing a lot of these, like like the Justice League as Vikings. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, wow, you know, it's it's interesting. So those, those are kind of interesting. Nine fingers, but you know, we'll get there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on one hand and uh that's what i mean and the uh so so i I do think that that might be uh she's a crazy skilled photographer so i don't think she'll have any trouble no pivoting or making finding something that's a bit more more meaningful sure you know you know five unique fingers right in the hand maybe she go into the nft business yeah that is yeah that's a whole different story (laughs) but the um um so but but it's not going to get rid of i mean if you need a headshot for a person you're not going to like do an ai headshot like no no you're not going to take your photo from 10 years ago and stick it into uh um an ai and And say have it age it up yeah yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna work yeah and um and honestly so there's that personal the trouble is is just not there's just not People don't value it. That's true. Uh, or they go oh, like, oh, I take terrible Great photos. concept for an animated show is a, a robot wedding photographer <laughs> who's always complaining. Exactly. <laughs> it was set in in the future and people are marrying all kinds of weird stuff. Talk to the claw. The guy's marrying a cabbage. It's like, all right. <laughs> and, the, and the robot is like the photographer. I'm gonna write some. I'm gonna write that down right now. That's, that's gold, baby. That's gold. gold. Yeah, I can see. <laughs> so, conclusion: change is inevitable. Change is a good and thing. I think it is it a good can, thing. Can refresh. Yeah. You know, especially if you're feeling a little stale. Um, so, how much you change is uh, is personal decision. It's, it's appropriate. And being well, the I one think, that decides the change for you yourself. Change, yeah. So if you, you know? if you change on purpose right because it's something you want to do will always be different than changes forced on sure and and in the same way if it's like if you're going towards something as opposed to running away from something that's also well and you know i've had friends in the past who are kind of like a twig in a stream okay so basically they're just following the path that they're on Uh, so they basically just so they just you know uh, they are not planning their direction. Right. They're, they've decided that this is the stream that they're on. Yeah. And they're going to go wherever this stream well, takes Well, honestly, I, that's I, that's kind of how I've done the last, you know, 40 some odd years. So it's actually been more of a deliberate choice because it's like, yeah. You wake up one day and you're like, holy smokes, I'm, I'm in my mid 50s now. And, you know, and I think a lot of people are. You're going to die soon. Are going to hit. Well, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, what's the old card you get? Happy birthday from God. See you soon. Oh, no. <laughs> or a birthday wish from God. I should have done that at yeah. the beginning of See the show soon. for our dad jokes. So change is good. 
Change is inevitable. Change is inevitable. You've got to try and make the best of it. And I think for, but I think we've always been people who, uh, by the virtue of the stuff that we've done, were proactive, not necessarily to say we don't procrastinate, but, you know, proactive in our, I'm not going to just go along all the time. Right? Yeah, yeah. may not have had a super plan. I was a terrible employee. As a, as a staff person, right? It was Why? terrible. Why? Um, well, in my 20s, it would have been a certain degree of, of arrogance um, combined with a certain degree of impatience, right? <laughs> I can do it better. Yeah. And in some cases, that was true. <laughs> and in some cases... Well, I I've think learned, I've learned a lot think, and now I respect people that I at the 20 years ago was thought, yeah, I was an idiot. And I think, okay, I could see, I could see why he was doing that. You know, I have a certain grudging respect now. So. Yeah. Wisdom. Yeah. Well, as you get older, you realize how little you know about things. Yeah, exactly. Al so, although that sounds really weird. So, so anyways, I'm on a journey. It's exciting. As are you. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, um, so my photography business is, 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 is I do what I want to do. Yeah. It's not uh, so well, I'm you're all just about the dogs. Sorry? You're just a, this is a this is just an excuse to hang out with dogs. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I can imagine, right? Yeah, I totally I keep telling you you should get into the boudoir photography. Uh, boudoir for dogs. Yeah. <laughs> boudoir for dogs. <laughs> Actually, I heard a story today on social media. I don't know if it's true or not, but somebody was saying, apparently they, they were dog sitting for a rich Hollywood uh, director. Okay. And there was a, an allusion to who it might be, but I didn't pick up on who, who it was. Right. Yeah. And they thought, well, the apartment that they were dog sitting in was quite modest and, you know, quite reasonable. They were quite surprised. I thought, Oh, big shot director. I thought they would have been living you know, much higher on the hog. Well, then they found out the apartment was for the dog. <laughs> and a bunch of other people commented that, yes, they, they knew wealthy people that would have like a guest house or a house for their dogs. Oh, great. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so there you go. That's right? when you have too much money. Too much money. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, media, media, what media have you, you know, it's been a weird week, weird couple of weeks. I've been, we've been, as I alluded to you before the show, been watching a lot of old stuff that maybe eh, I wouldn't call it quite inappropriate for, well, for the our 15 year old, he's fine. But the 12 year old soon to be 13, maybe a bit edgy. So we watched, uh, at, at my older son's, uh, recommendation, we watched, uh, Pink Floyd, the wall which I hadn't seen for, for years. We actually found it on Vimeo or Vivo. Like it's not available on streaming, but we, you could stream the whole thing off the internet. What a phenomenal movie. Uh, I remember watching that when I was 13 or 14. A friend of mine was obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah. And we'd rent it every couple of weeks you know, from a video rental place until yeah, yeah. the tape wore out. But <laughs> So it was cool to see that. We watched Django Unchained. Oh, I have not which, seen that. Uh, which is a revisionist of uh, the Old West. Oh, you got to watch Django. Phenomenal movie. Is it? Yeah, oh, yeah. It's okay. really good. And then last night we watched Spinal Tap for the second time, which again is hilarious if you are a... Uh, and again, I think it's because uh, my, my older boy is uh, quite getting into the, his band and he just out of the blues. Like, Can we watch Spinal Tap again? So we watched that. And then I've watched a new show, well, two I finished the Sex Pistols bio. It's not a biopic, but I guess it's a bio series on FX through Disney Plus, which is phenomenal. If you're a fan of, um, well, the Sex Pistols or, or even just that era of music, really interesting. And then I just finished watching uh, SAS Rogues on Amazon Prime, right? Which is around the the creation in the second world war of the special air service and uh, apparently quite true to reality. I mean, obviously it's been embellished for, for uh, uh, movie production, but a great six part series about um, how that came to be. So yeah. Yeah. A little bit of retro and a little bit of new stuff. What about you? Well, I'm kind of in between right now, a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, um, I we have been watching. Um, Lori and I have been watching uh, more episodes of Severance. 
Oh, yes. Have you ever watched it? No. It is weird. So the premise, the global premise is that um, you you basically uh, willingly participate in this thing where there's like a chip placed in your brain that will, as soon as you go onto the work floor, you are now severed and you have a different, you have different memories. So you cannot remember anything from the outside world. Oh, that's the what they mean. And then when you are, uh, and when you return, you go back to your regular life and you have no recollection of what you did. So you are severed. Interesting. That's what severance is. Okay. What a great concept. So that is a great concept. And it's uh, done by Ben Stiller. And it's not super new. It's on Apple Plus. Okay. Um, Isn't one of the guys from uh, Perks and Rec? Probably. I don't actually know who all the Perks okay. and Rec actors yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, uh, but the thing about it is that in and of itself seems like a super cool premise and a start to a series. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, let's go further. Okay. And it goes crazy far. Like... Like the the severed life that is is weird. Like they're they're not just working on top secret stuff. Like it's not really clear what they're working on or how they're working. Interesting. It's like okay. uh, and they have like competition between different departments. They're not allowed to talk to each other. They're like and and the environment of the severed work is like I don't know where this show is going. I think we're in. We just finished episode <laughs> six. I think there's eight or nine okay and um like i have like i am so lost as to where this is possibly going it looks like it's going somewhere but i don't know so um the other thing is uh, i was about to watch um the new jack ryan uh, season has come out so I oh watched yes the previous two yeah. i really enjoyed it um but With i realized the- that I, I didn't like I wasn't sure where I left off. Like I thought I oh, yeah. left off at the end of season two. And I, so I actually ended up having to kind of scrub through a little bit right. of it to remember where. Who would have thought that Krasinski from the office would make a good action guy. He is, but he is, he is trim and fit. And he's... Oh yeah. Well, he did a movie about Benghazi where he played a Navy seal. And I think that probably caught the attention of the producers of this when they were looking for the new Jack Ryan. Well, and he's and he's smart too, right? So he can come across as cerebral. I mean, not Jim, but but of course, because Jack Ryan is you know a CIA analyst and. Well, I I think I think the comparison with John Krasinski is with uh, you know and. Uh, John Krasinski's wife is uh, is Emily uh, Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. So yeah. he, he's got to have yeah. clearly interesting enough to gain her interest. Yes. I think they're both very interesting. There's some great interviews that they on YouTube about how they met and all that. But I think John Krasinski is a bit like Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Because they're they're interesting. They play interesting characters, but they also seem to have an interesting they're interesting in real life as right, well. Right, right, sure. And because, um, um, like, during the early part of the pandemic, um, John Krasinski was doing a YouTube show. Uh, what was it? The Good News. It was Good oh, News. Oh, I remember hearing about that. And then that. he ended yeah. up selling it for bags of money yeah. to uh, to somebody who didn't do anything with it. Yeah, and then Ryan Reynolds, of course, has been – he owns something called Mint – he I'm owns, not even sure what that is. He's now. mint. He does aviator gin. Yeah. He also he and the guy from Mythic Quest, um, um, they bought a a, a football soccer yes, soccer team. Right. Uh, Wr Wrexham. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like yeah. uh, it's that, that that again is this thing where you can see snippets of their real life that is super interesting, and you're going like. Um, this guy, I'm. It's kind of like an interesting person that you would like to meet just to spend some time. Exactly. Uh, whereas yeah. there are a lot of actors that go like, yeah, you know, no, they, that they don't have much going on, right? Yeah. It's just uh, like you know, I'm no interest in. You know, who's kept... speaking of actors who yeah. who are odd? Uh, the it's not an actor, but he's very close to Tom Cruise. 
will probably get uh, followed now. But the the apparently the the head of the church that Tom Cruise is, and I'm not going to name it because really they will come after us, is apparently missing because he's being investigated for some bad things and he's he's disappeared. They can't find him. Like like the FBI is trying to find this guy. Uh, well, did you hear the joke on from the Golden Globes? So Tom Cruise was really pissed off because of the lack of diversity and a bunch of controversies with the Golden Globes. So he we'll has he went and made a big deal of returning his three Golden Globe awards that he, he, he got. Oh, really? Yeah. So the so interesting. The host, That's a pretty big move. The host, this. Uh, and I'm not familiar with who he's this African American guy, right? He's African American guy. I can't. Right. I can't. Remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's funny. He's he was funny. Yeah. And so he so he comes out and he's got these three Golden Globes. He says, "Hey, I found these Golden Globes from Tom Cruise, right?" And he said, "I wonder if I could um, uh, trade these in for to find uh, um, for information about the location of Cheryl." Uh, miscavige miscavige yes and that's his the, the one so the guy so the, her husband is now missing well hiding i mean he's not well i thought miscavige is, oh isn't he the guy who's like the top guru and in... yeah but apparently they're they're after him for uh trafficking minors and <laughs> i just saw this like yesterday this is from like within the last 10 days um there's a show a youtube channel called american lawyers who are somewhat on the progressive end and are like, apparently, uh, you know, they have a subpoena, like they have to serve this guy and they can't find him. He's become like, where's Waldo? Right. Um, yeah. Miscavige. Possibly outside the country. Who knows? David Miscavige. Right? Yeah. yeah. From the church of yeah, something gonna... fiction. Yes. <laughs> ology. Yeah. We're not going to name it, but I, uh, I didn't watch the Golden Globes. Oh, speaking of the Golden Globes, though, isn't it tragic passing of Lisa Marie uh, Presley? Uh, yeah, you know, well, yeah. Who was there it was only three days ago. I know. She seemed and, a little spaced out. Well, yeah. You know, like her, uh, one of her children, her oldest son, mm -hmm. uh, died uh, by suicide. Of suicide yeah, yeah. in 2020. So a lot of people are saying, she never really recovered. And I mean, this is a person who's lived a complicated life. So this is a bit sad, but uh, I was glad to see Austin Butler win. And then, of course, Eddie Murphy took a good poke at uh, Will Smith as well, right? Did you catch that one? Yeah. He was like, that was pretty brilliant, right? <laughs> so. It was very funny. <laughs> yeah. So what's happening in the next week, Ben? Uh, oh, and the other thing is... You from our last episode, uh -huh. we talked very much about the movie that I disliked intensely, which is The Banshees of. I saw it come up on <laughs> like, the I'm Netflix. Going, I'm going like, oh my and god! Like, it's like every single said, they Mark winning, describe this, and it sounds absolutely weird. And they're winning all these Golden Globes, and they're up for Oscars, and like, oh my. god. God, so, this is a terrible. So there must be a subtlety. Is this? It's either a case of you don't know what you're talking about. You're missing the, the cinematic subtlety, or it's. Um, and this is probably more likely. It's like everybody is. Well, you know, like when you have a really bad employee in a in a large uh, bureaucracy. Yeah. And it's hard to admit. We never should have hired this person. Yes. So what you just do is you 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 like you promote them, right? <laughs> and then just keep moving up. So maybe this is like, God, this is a bad movie. We just totally wasted our money. But we're not going to admit it. We're going to say it's a great movie. Oh, well, and well, because all these award shows, I know, but it it's seems all like, kind of fixed, it's, right? It seems like it's like everybody's saying, "Oh, what a great, great, a great film!" And great I'm going film. like. You know, you know, I have to say, okay, if you're talking about costumes or for set design or for like, you know, and it's uh, Brendan Gleeson and uh, Colin, Colin Farrell. And, you know, they're... Brendan Gleeson, wasn't he the guy with the weird eye? And he wrote, yes, yes, in, right, uh, Harry, Potter. Harry Potter. And yes. then he played Trump yes. in uh, Trump v... He's, okay. He's, he's yeah, a good yeah, actor. Yeah. Apparently, he's a good actor. He yeah. wrote this. Oh, okay. So he's a terrible writer. <laughs> oh my god. 
like and it's just like everybody's like you know raving about this and i'm going like you know i don't usually sit there and go like i hate this movie usually i'm kind of like "Eh, maybe you have to be irish to to get it maybe it's kind of like like russian film where everybody goes god this is depressing and they're like this is brilliant movie (laughs) you know maybe there's like a cultural divide where you're like oh that's the other oldie we watched with the kids inappropriately was Snatch. <laughs> okay, that is a fun movie. That, but that is, is a fun movie. That yeah. is very inappropriate. Guy Ritchie and uh, yeah, yeah, and Brad Pitt. And, oh, phenomenal performance by Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah. So, so I I don't know. I you know it's one of these things where I kind of feel like am I just stupid and I don't <laughs> get this show because because you know and it's. I don't think I'm going to invest a bunch of time in watching it, but yeah, because just based on your description of the plot, but I suspect that it's like nobody wants to admit. Like, this is a dumbass movie. Like, wasn't there a story way back? I don't know if, I know they did this in a movie, uh, like uh, Twilight Zone or, or uh, I think it might have been based on reality that some artist embarrassed an art critic this would have been in the United States because this critic didn't like his stuff. And the guy felt that the, the critic was just a pompous guy who didn't really know art and had a chimpanzee paint a whole bunch of canvases and had the, the art critic, you know, like critique it like yeah. a, like and a, he loved it, like a, like a, an exciting dynamic new artist. Right. And the guy wrote all these wonderful things and then revealed it's a goddamn chimpanzee. Right. And totally embarrassing. I don't know. I don't know if it, was, if it was a true story, but I suspect there may be some element of this. Everybody's like, "Oh man, what do we do? Do we just like cancel the thing?" Or exactly. it's it's Colin Farrell. You know, it's it's an indie film. Oh, Brandon Gleason. Yeah, we and need. Uh, you know, we need to promote the film industry. And, and so. the director is like twelve years since his last uh, production, yeah. which was. So we're gonna say it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody exactly. and anybody who disagrees with us we will call them out as being you know provincial and yeah they just don't really understand you don't get film you don't get film you don't get it oh yeah it's just um guy cuts off his fingers that's symbolic man it means something oh man so yeah so it mm-hmm. is uh it's the banshees of inishirin and i yeah. was mispronouncing it last <laughs> Ah, and it's been it's by writer uh, director oh um, director Martin McDonough. Okay, and, uh, sorry, he also writ, wrote it. I thought Brendan Gleeson had okay. written it. Okay, yeah. uh, no, he just happened to star in it. And his uh, previous he looks a bit like Sting, young Sting. Uh, he, he is known for In Bruges. Oh, from twenty. Oh eight. We have that on DVD. I've never Did watched like it. it? Okay. No, I never watched it. I think I it also has Colin it. Farrell. It does have Colin Farrell. And again, it, it has that similar. I think my Paulette watched it years ago and liked it. Where they're in uh is it in Belgium? And see two hitmen and like everything goes wrong. But there's just long scenes of dialogue and uh you know, so anyhow. Well, he also did the three billboards outside Ebbing, <laughs> okay. which is uh, which so was some, uh, some real mainstream stuff here. Well, that was with um, Francis Mc. Uh, oh yes, McDermott. Fra- McDormand. McDormand. Yes. And, and basically, it's about uh, a mother who is um, very upset that um, her daughter's murderer hasn't been found so uh, she starts putting up billboards right um again again now a i'm a, sla- bit, a knee slapper for friday night well and i'm sitting here going like i was interested in possibly seeing that movie and now i'm not so interested in seeing it because <laughs> because um she cuts her fingers off that'll show them yeah anyways i think we better wrap, better it, wrap up it up this yeah. time, so um anyway um have a good week have a good week and um yeah Change is a good thing. Change is a good thing.
Yeah. We'll see. It's just everybody's scared of change. Change is a scary thing. Yeah. But change is a good change thing. Change your socks. Change your underwear. <laughs> change your profession. Change. Boom. Change your socks. <laughs> change your profession as often as you change your socks. No, 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 no don't no. do that. Yeah. Change your socks much more often. Anyway. Uh, Every 20 years, though. Try something new. Have a great week. Yeah, you too. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.